Hi, I'm Dana Stevens, Slate's movie critic, and I'm here with Amanda Fortini, one of our cultural critics. And if you haven't seen yet The Devil Wears Prada, you should not listen to this podcast. Because Amanda and I just saw the movie together, and our discussion today will be predicated on the assumption that you've seen it too. So, Amanda, I think we both agree that we were immensely charmed by the movie, right? We were, yeah. I thought it was a lot of fun, and uh, I especially liked its portrayal of New York City, too. I felt like the city was as much of a character as any of the other characters in the movie. It was very seductive look at the city. Well, the director is someone who's directed some episodes of Sex in the City, and that's really evident in his treatment of New York, which looks like this sparkling confection. It looks so beautiful. And even if you live in New York and are well aware of all its foibles and its evident lack of glamour as well, it really brings out the glamorous side of New York. I agree. I was very charmed by it. We also both commented walking out of the movie how remarkably it sort of paralleled our lives as if our lives were sort of a shabby version of the glamour of the movie. We literally walked out onto the same block that the last shot of the movie is filmed on, right? Yes, exactly. Right across from Rockefeller Center. On the other hand, even if you hadn't, you know, lived your young working life in New York, I felt that you could relate to a lot of the things that Andy, the main character, goes through. You know, it was kind of a Everybody's had those fantasies about quitting or, uh, you know, wanting to throttle their boss, I think. Or at the end, you know, when she just throws it all away. Um, I think everybody's had those fantasies, too. Yeah, it is kind of a great, it's a great fantasy of quitting at the very moment that you've made yourself indispensable in a job. <laughs> yeah, you've, you've, you've mastered it and now you can leave it all behind. But as long as we're talking about quitting, let's, let's get to the spoilers. So I don't know if you agree with me on this, but as we were coming out of the movie, the first objection that bubbled to my mind was that are the moral stakes that the heroine is subjected to sort of sufficient for the uh, the resolution of the movie? We're supposed to believe that in the style of, say, Mean Girls mm-hmm. or 13 Going on 30, if you saw that movie last year, that this young professional woman in the publishing industry in New York has sort of sold her soul right. to, her, to her monster of a boss played by Meryl Streep, and that at the moment she pitches her cell phone into this fountain in Paris at the climax, she has regained her soul. And as far as I was concerned, the, the sacrifices we see Anne Hathaway making in the movie are just just normal compromises that any young woman starting her career in this industry might have to make. I agree. I don't think she did anything really that awful. I mean, she changed her style of dress to suit the way everyone else in the office dressed. She missed her, or she was late, rather, for her boyfriend's birthday. And, and what else did she do that was well, so terrible? Her I, big, I think her big moral compromise is supposed to be the moment she betrays her office mate Emily. And right? goes to Paris instead of Emily. But again, she was just recognized for her good work. She didn't really do anything very malicious. Um, and I agree. I, I don't think that what she did was you know morally or ethically that bad. On the other hand, I guess maybe that's by the standard of the movies, because in real life, the things that people are asked to do in their jobs, the little compromises you know, they aren't really that large. So maybe it is realistic, actually. Right. I mean, I guess what I didn't like, though, is even by the terms of the movie, is that the movie put puts Anne Hathaway, it forces her into an ethical corner that she can't get out of. Essentially, she will be either fired or blackballed in the entire industry by the most powerful woman in fashion right. if she doesn't, you know, take her friend's slot on this on this Paris trip. And so she does it. And then the movie, I think, punishes her rather harshly for that by by treating her as if she were the moral equivalent of Meryl Streep, when in fact, I don't think, by the movie's own standards, it could really be said that she is. There's a moment that Anne Hathaway says to another character in the movie, you know, if 
Miranda Priestley, the character that Meryl mm-hmm. Streep plays, were a man, all anyone would notice about her is how well she does her job. And it's kind of an interesting scene in which she's actually sticking up for this horrible vampire boss of hers. And it seems that later she goes back on that a little bit. But I, I, I rather like that moment. And I think the same thing might be said of Anne Hathaway's character. If, if this were a story about a young man betraying himself for his career, I think he'd be allowed to go much further than Anne Hathaway ever is. Yes, and he would save the world, too, in the process. <laughs> right, you know? there'd have to be some I, kind of a helicopter. I agree, I agree that about what you said about Miranda Priestly because you have to think about, like, I was, I was thinking about this after I left the movie. Why do we demonize her? Um, I mean, she is rude to her employees, you know, very, very rude, and throws her coat on their desk and has these wild expectations like they're supposed to get. In one scene, Anne Hathaway is supposed to get a copy of an unpublished copy of the latest Harry Potter novel. So she sets them up to these impossible tasks to which they can only fail and then sort of waits to see what will, will happen with, you know, pleasure. But we're supposed to demonize her basically because she's ambitious and career-minded or because she's ambitious and career-minded in this superficial realm of fashion? It wasn't really clear to me. I mean, I, I think you're right. If she were a man and she had achieved those heights, I don't think we would... And she was treating her employees that way. I don't think we would demonize her. Right. Well, I mean, the movie sets up Meryl Streep's character like she's the moral nadir of the Mm -hmm. movie, right? You can't get any worse than she is. And, you know, fair enough. Every movie needs its villain. But every new entry-level job in any industry requires all kinds of sort of indignities and sacrifices. And in a way, that's what this movie is about, I think, more than fashion itself. There's wonderful clothes and wonderful Parisian and New York glamour. It's visually very appealing. But yeah, I think you're right, that everybody's gotten coffee. It could be about starting out in the vacuum cleaner sales industry, as far as I'm concerned. And and and, and that was one of my problems. At the end, you see her going to a kind of village voice equivalent, you know, where they say, we love your article on the janitor's union. But you have to think she's going to be expected to make some of the same compromises and the same sacrifices and work the same long hours. That for boss sure, will need his cup as, of coffee too. Exactly, as at the fashion magazine. But all of that said, I think both of us would agree that we certainly recommend the movie as a summer entertainment. It's a total delight to see and uh, fairly insubstantial. But um, it but goes it goes by very very quickly. It and, feels like TV, but not in a bad way. It, to me, it sort of it felt like a one hour. TV drama almost rather than a movie, but... And yet it was two hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which speaks well of the movie, yeah. Thank you for joining us for our first edition of the Spoiler Special. You can read Amanda's piece on fashion in The Devil Wears Prada and my movie review on Slate.com. For Slate, I'm Dana Stevens. And I'm Amanda Fortini. Thank you. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.